Good morning. Welcome to everyone here in the auditorium and those in the venue, those watching online at carneyefree.com. Great to have you with us today. My name is Adrian, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Love to connect with you after the service if we haven't yet met. If you're a newcomer here today, our vision is really simple. It's that every person matters. You matter greatly to God. You matter greatly to us, and we are thankful that you chose to join us for worship today. We are in this new uh, message series in the Gospel of John. Starting that today, we just finished a message series called The Ride of Your Life in which we were talking about marriage. And many of us are still really working on our marriages, and I encourage you to keep working on your marriage. One of the challenges in church of going from one topic to another, one study to another, is the illusion that life change happens quickly. That's an illusion. In general, it happens slowly, and so we continue to work on that even as we move into the Gospel of John. My guess is that there is no book of the Bible that has been recommended to people more than the Gospel of John. Um, If you are a newcomer here, if you're not sure what Christianity is about, I'd recommend starting with the Gospel of John. Typically, when someone is a new Christian or they're asking me, I don't know what to believe spiritually, what did Jesus actually teach? Who was Jesus? And they're asking for a place to start. I generally recommend that they start with the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Luke, depending on where they are. And it's uh, perhaps the most recommended book because it's probably the clearest distillation of Jesus' teachings, the clearest distillation of his message of abundant life given to us who trust in him today and eternal life, paradise that is offered for us on the other side of this life as well. Here are a few of the topics, a few of the themes that we'll see as we voyage through the Gospel of John in these coming months Some of them will include miracles, both big and small. Now, of course, there's no such thing as a small miracle, but you'll see these miracles in the Gospel of John that you say, wow, Jesus cared about people's everyday lives, their ordinary life situations. He cared about them, and then extraordinary miracles as well. Uh, The I am statements of Jesus, all of the I am statements that we sing about sometimes, I am the bread of life, I am the true gate, I am living water. All of those I am statements are found here in the Gospel of John. The compassion of Jesus to the left out and to the marginalized in our, in our world is found on almost every page of the Gospel of John. The full divinity and full humanity of Jesus, both as they come together in the incarnation of Christ, is found here in the Gospel of John. The Holy Spirit You ever asked, who is the Holy Spirit? How do I interact with the Holy Spirit? How would I be empowered with the Holy Spirit? Well, John has a lot to say about that. Tension with the religious leaders of the day is found in all four Gospels, but it finds an exclamation point of sorts in the Gospel of John. And then finally, as you read through, look for a number of dualisms that you will see. Light from darkness good from evil, a love from judgment, spirit versus flesh. These dualisms, contrasts, 
are found frequently also in this gospel. What we're going to do here is spend the next 10 months, the next 10 months, navigating through this wonderful book on a paragraph through paragraph study through these 21 chapters. We have a number of study, study resources that are available for you out of the information table that are very cheap, available for purchase on the Gospels of Jesus and the Gospel of John Puff particularly, if you would like. But even more than that, what I'd encourage you to do as we navigate through the Gospel of John, of John is simply to bring your Bible. Bring your Bible here on Sunday morning. Maybe you use your phone or your tablet. That's fine. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can pick a Bible up for free out of the information table. It's our gift to you. But bring your Bible, and what I would encourage you to do is mark it up, both here on Sunday morning, highlight and make notes, and then do so during the week when you study the next passage leading into the next one that we'll teach on the following Sunday. John is an apostle of Jesus. He's one of the core disciples, probably one of the inner three closest disciples to Jesus. Indeed, he's described five different times in this gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loved. How would you like to have best friend of Jesus on your resume? That sound pretty good? That was John. Five different times, the disciple whom Jesus loved. One example here is in John chapter 19, in which you see Jesus on the cross, and even on the cross he's about to die, he's caring for his mother and this disciple. Jesus saw his mother there, waiting on him as he's crucified, and the disciple he loves standing nearby, and he cares for her. He says to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. I'm excited for this study for a number of different reasons. One is, I, I really like Jesus a lot. I think he's just the bomb. <laughs> he is so great. Uh, his life is the best kind of life. And dwelling in Jesus for the next 10 months is a great thing for us. He is the source of joy. He's the source of life. He, he's the best thing going. I'm also excited about this because I, I love the Bible. We've done a few topical series because we felt like we needed to around marriage and around fear. Um, but I, I just like going paragraph by paragraph through the Bible at times and just allowing the words of Scripture to speak to us. And I'm excited finally about this because the past year has been a little bit destabilizing for me. Anyone else? Like the past year has been really destabilizing, hasn't it? It's been a really, really tough year. And so there's something, I think, beneficial, perhaps stabilizing and very meaningful just to stick ourselves into the teachings, into the words, into the miracles, into the power of Christ over these next 10 months and to be strengthened, to be stabilized as we dwell on the essentials of Christ. Hey, if you're a newcomer here today, or maybe you're in a place you're not really sure what you believe spiritually, that's fine. That's great. We have lots of folks in that place any Sunday. And there may be no better way to grow spiritually far from where you are or even just to uh, answer the question, what is it that Jesus taught? Well, what's Christianity really about? 
Like just to be open-minded and say, I'll go into the gospel of John and I'll learn a little bit more from this biography of Jesus about the most influential person that ever lived. That could never hurt anyone. Like even if you don't come to the end of the study believing in Christ the way he's revealed, you still get much out of this simply by learning more about the most influential person that ever lived. So whether you're a newcomer or a regular, whether you would call yourself a seeker or a skeptic or a believer, whatever you might call yourself, this is a great thing for, for us to study over these next 10 months together. In addition to all of that, I want to let you know that we are going to start a teaching series on a monthly basis this coming Wednesday night. On the fourth Wednesday of each month, we're going to go through a teaching series called The Gospel And. And I typically preach here on Sunday mornings. Sometimes I miss just kind of teaching. I miss just going in depth on a specific subject. I miss um, the interaction component that you have uh, from teaching. So I want to invite you to come back to this on Wednesday evening and uh, the reason we're doing this is because I've noticed uh, this growth in people kind of segmenting the spiritual life into a small corner of their life. Have you, know, have you noticed that? Like, uh, my spiritual life is Sunday morning, or my spiritual life is with my friends at Life Group, and then the rest of, the, the rest of life is just my life. But uh, Christianity is intended to be an integrated lifestyle, and the gospel is intended to integrate itself into all of our lives. So what we want to talk about in this series on Wednesday night, starting this Wednesday on the fourth Wednesday of each month, is spend an hour talking about how the gospel would be an anchor point that then guides us in the rest of life. So how does the gospel lead us to live in grace as opposed to shame or guilt? How does the gospel lead us to understand some of the issues of our day? How does the gospel interact with my neighborhood? How does the gospel interact with homosexuality, or race, or death, my fears of death, or suffering, or gender dysphoria, or nationalism, or Bible prophecy. We will not do all of those on a single night, I promise. <laughs> but we will do so over this next year. And so on, uh, again, that fourth Wednesday of the night, starting the, this coming Wednesday night, there will be a chance for question and answer live and also through text message. I encourage you to be a part of it. This is going to be a great year for spiritual growth together here at Carnegie Free. So let's pray, and we'll jump into the Gospel of John. Father, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you for opportunity to be together with these friends. Thank you for a beautiful day out there. Thank you for... Uh, each person in this room, every single one is made in the image and likeness of God and is so valuable to you. Thank you, God, that you give us your dignity. Thank you that you care about us. Thank you for the time of worship this morning and also for your scriptures that we now get to dive into together uh, this morning and over these months to come. Please teach us from the Gospel of John. Get me out of the way. We want your spirit. We want your word to get through. We invite your word to get through into our hearts. We love you and we trust ourselves to you now in Christ's name. Amen. Darkness permeates our world. Doesn't it? And darkness permeates our hearts as well. Doesn't it? I hope you say yes to both of those. Not one or the other. 
Darkness permeates this. And only light can overcome the darkness. And the darkness of this world will not overcome the light. The darkness of my heart will not overcome the light. In the first 13 verses of John's gospel, this is what John wants to tell us about Jesus. As Christ formed the universe, so also he is reforming each and every person who trusts in him. His light comes into the darkness right here, and it reforms all of those who trust in him. He is the creator who longs to recreate us. He forms and then he transforms us. John's using this very philosophical language that we just heard read here at the beginning of the message. It's language that's steeped in both Greek and Hebrew thought of his day. And it goes back to the very first page of the Bible in order to tell John's audience and tell us that Jesus was there with the Father at the outset of space and time. That Jesus was there with the Father in creating the universe. You might have heard the echoes of Genesis 1 as we read John chapter 1. Genesis 1, of course, says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That God spoke, he said, let there be light, and the universe leapt into existence. So also John says here, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God in the very beginning. Through him all things were made. Do you think of Christ Jesus as the creator. Many of us tend to think of the Father in creation, Jesus in redemption, the Holy Spirit in sanctification. And we say these little phrases much like that, and there's certainly some truth in that, but frankly, it's too simple. Because Jesus was there in creation with the Father. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word spoke with the Father in the beginning and created all things. As Genesis goes on toward the end of Genesis 1, it says, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. Who's the us? Who's the our there? It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit with the Father. It's one God, three persons. One what, three who's. One God, three persons. Before there was space or time, speaking space and time into existence. John is beginning his biography of Jesus by simply saying that Jesus is equal, Jesus is equal to the Father. Okay, so here's basic and really good theology to hold on to. Jesus is fully God, and he is fully man. Let's say that together. Jesus is fully God, and he's fully man. He's not partially God and partially man. He's not a divinely inspired prophet. 
No, John is going to be unrelenting in this statement throughout this gospel saying he is both of these and while we cannot comprehend it in our brain, we lift it from the pages of scripture, we apprehend it from the scriptures that he is fully God who is able to cover over all of our sins because he's God and he's fully man who's able to identify full humanity. Now you might ask, why does John use the word word to describe Jesus? Stick with me here. The New Testament, of course, was written in Greek, and the Greek word for word is logos. Logos has this double meaning of thought and speech. It's way more than just a simple word for us. When the Greeks used logos, it was the idea of like originating thought, originating speech. Uh, Some might say today like the force. Okay, that's a weak analogy, but it it's in tune with our, our culture today. It's like the originating idea. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The word speaks and things happen. That's the idea. That if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what God does, if you want to know what God says, then you believe in these words, but also you believe in the living word. Like, it's not just that you believe in these words. You believe in the living word, Jesus Christ, who continues to interact with us in a vibrant, life-giving relationship with us today. He is the one who reveals the loving character, the good, good character of God, our Father. So as Christ formed this universe, he also reforms everyone who trusts in him. Look at your Bible and consider the divinity of Jesus in these statements alone, just in these first 13 verses. Verse 1 says, he was in the beginning, he spoke, and he created. So if he's in the beginning, before there was such a thing as time or space, that means he's preexistent. He's eternal. These are all attributes of God. Listen, verse 3, he made all things. That means he's creator. Verse five, he is the light and he cannot be overcome by dark. Do you know any person who cannot be overcome by dark? Okay, this this man is all powerful. It's an attribute of God. He's omnipotent. Verse nine, he's the true light of the world. As the true light of the world, he's the source of all goodness. As the book of James says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Jesus is that source along with the Father of all the goodness in the world. He's the true light. Verse 12, all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He is the Savior. He is the one who welcomes us into the Father's family through his sacrifice, through his atonement on our behalf to bring us to God. He is the great I am. Indeed, he invites us into his family. He invites us to be reformed as we grow with Christ, as we surrender our lives to Christ, as we live and surrender to him and daily trust in him. He makes us new creation 
He continues to reform us as we lean into him. We ask for his Holy Spirit to fill us as we acknowledge his sovereignty in our lives each and every day, as we live not by our own power, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, but instead we submit to him and say, God, have your will be done in my life. And as we do that, he changes us. From the inside out, he changes us. He wants to not only form this world, he wants to reform us. John goes on to say in verse 9 that the light of Christ defeats the darkness. Look at verse 9. The light of Christ defeats the darkness of this world. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into this world. And he wants to give light to everyone, wants to give life to this entire world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I wonder if you'd just set your eyes on that last line. His own did not receive him. He's the light of the world, and yet his own rejected him. Do you ever consider the level of rejection and pain that Jesus experienced emotionally on earth? Many of us experience rejection and great pain. And if you haven't, I hate to tell you young people, it's coming. But through that pain and rejection, that can be an opportunity to draw nearer to God. Because Jesus himself experienced far more rejection than we will. He was rejected by his brothers. On earth, Jesus' own flesh and blood brothers, his half-brothers, the sons of Mary and Joseph, rejected him. They didn't want anything to do with him as he was rising in his ministry, and they came to believe in him after the resurrection. Two of them wrote two of our short books in the Bible, the book of James and the book of Jude. But that was after the resurrection they came to believe him. During his time on life, they were often ashamed of him. Or how about his own hometowns of Nazareth and Bethlehem? Jesus was the proverbial prophet who was not welcome in his own town. He was the great rabbi, and yet he was rejected by fellow rabbis who schemed to kill him. And eventually the governing authorities from both the Jews and the Romans came together, and they did kill him. They tortured him, and they hung him up on a cross, He was rejected by all of these. He experienced great loneliness. He was a single man, and his closest friends were extremely fickle. They abandoned him at the hour that he needed them the most. Again, he was the prophet who was not accepted in his own town. This is truly one of the things that I love most about Jesus. He did not come to earth in a mobile. Like, he didn't come in a presidential limo. He didn't come in a tank. He didn't come and then stand on stage waving at people and then exit left to the green room. No, he got up close with people. He got eye to eye with people with leprosy. He got eye to eye with people filled with demons. He got eye to eye with prostitutes. He hugged those who the world deemed as unclean. This is Jesus. This is the way of his ministry. He drew near to people in the midst of pain and darkness because he was after recreation. 
He experienced all the darkness of this world. He experienced all the pain that we experience, but darkness did not win, and ultimately darkness will not win. You know, when Mao Zedong came to power in communist China in 1949, one of the first things that he did was expel all missionaries from China. Then one of the next things that he did was bring out bulldozers and raise churches that were established by any denominations in the West. And he allowed churches to remain, a few of them above ground, that were established in China, and then far more underground in what's called little house churches in China. And at that time, 1949, missiologists estimated there were between 80,000 and 150,000 Christians in about 500 million people in China. 80,000 to 150,000. And the estimates, the expectation was in the coming years under Mao Zedong, Christianity will slowly but surely be eradicated from China. And surprisingly, when China began to open up after the communist revolution came to an end, of course, China's still a communist country, but it's a little bit different now in that it's also a communist country, and it's been open to outsiders now for, for a number of years. But when the revolution came to an end, 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, even the Chinese government had to admit that after 60 years under Mao's rule and the communist revolution, after 50, 60 years of that, they were shocked to see that that little embryonic church of 80 to 150,000 people had become 130 million people. Now, how is that? How is that? It's because... The light overcomes the darkness. And the darkness of this world has not and shall not ever overcome the light. This is the promise of Jesus in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John is testifying to that. Jesus affirms that again and again as he says, I am the light of the world. I will build my church in the gates of hell will not be able to overcome it. So we don't shout at the darkness. We go out into the darkness and we light a candle in the darkness. I gotta tell you, well, one of the things that really concerns me at times as I see Christians interacting online is how often sometimes Christians get consumed with the darkness. Anyone hear me? Sometimes we just get consumed with the darkness as opposed to focusing on the light. And the simple truth is we only have so many, so many mental and emotional resources for life. Right? And the more you focus on the darkness with your mental and emotional resources, the less you're going to have to focus on expanding the light. And God invites us to this. He is the light of the world. He enters into our hearts, he exposes the darkness, he brings light, and then he invites us to be the light of the world. And in order for us to be the light of the world, we get away from the toxic stew of anger and darkness and ugly in this world, and we focus on the light of Christ. And the more we focus on that, the more energy we have to actually do good in this world, in the name of Christ. I love the way Martin Luther King put it, Years ago, he said it this way, a very famous quote, which you'll probably remember, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, 
Only love can do that. Mm. Now, apparently, we just finished up this, this day a couple days ago called uh, Practice Random Acts of Kindness Day. Uh, there's a different day for everything on the American calendar. It was just, I'm not sure what day it was. I missed my random act of kindness. Um, it was just practice, practice Random Act of Kindness Day. What if you just applied this this week? Throw away the random. Christians don't do random, right? Christians do intentional. Throw away the random, and then go this week and choose one person this week that you're going to intentionally practice an intentional act of kindness for them. Identify someone who's living in darkness. Identify someone who is not a follower of Christ that you love, and you want to show them a little bit of the light of Christ. What if 12 or 1,300, what if 2,000 carny e free people did this this week? One person that you go show light to this week. Would that make a difference? Oh, you better believe it'll make a difference. Don't curse the darkness. Go out and light a candle. This is what God invites us to do, to make a difference in this world by going out and light a candle in the darkness. Don't be consumed well with the darkness Go out and light a candle. Because we, as Christians, always have hope. We always have hope but because we always have the light of Christ in us. The darkness of this world, the darkness of our own hearts, cannot overcome the light of Christ. It's simply impossible. Like, the darkness of this world sought to kill Christ. But they couldn't defeat him. They strung him up. They beat him down. They put him on a cross. They did kill him, but they couldn't defeat him. They threw him in a grave, but the grave couldn't hold him. Okay, they put Roman guards around the pillar. The guards couldn't hold him. They put a signet ring on the top of that pillar outside of the tomb, and that couldn't hold him. Jesus rose, and because he lives, so also we live. Jesus brought light, and because he brought light to us, we bring light to others. And one day Jesus will come back, and he will eliminate the darkness altogether. So if you're struggling, if you're struggling with hopelessness today, this is what you do. You meditate on the teachings of Jesus. You pray. You spend more time with Jesus. You spend less time in the dark world of the internet and more time in Jesus. And then you will begin to light up those around you. In the end, light shines through the darkness. Light brings hope. It brings warmth. And what's the other thing that light does? It exposes. It exposes what's dark. The Greek word for photo is also the same Greek word for light. Photizo. Can you picture it? Photizo. So you take a a photograph in a dark room and you turn on the flash and you're able to do what? Expose the darkness. That's what the light does. It comes in and exposes the darkness. Anyone hear me? You still with me? So I was probably 11 years old, and I got some darkness in me exposed. My mom came home from work after a long day at work, probably 7 o'clock, and she brought home these two big, beautiful monster cookies, probably that big. At least as an 11-year-old, they were that big. And these were the two perfect cookies that had like M&M's and chocolate chips. They had peanut butter 
and oatmeal. They had all the goods in them. They were monster cookies. And she brought these home for me and my little brother. And this was a big deal because I was raised in like a super duper healthy family. And we'd like never got treats. Yes, poor me. I'm making up for lost time. <laughs> um, she brought home these two big, big monster cookies, and I was so excited for that the next day. She said, after a good day of school tomorrow, you can have one of those monster cookies when you come home far from school. And so I go to bed and go through the school day, come home, and I climb up, get a chair out, climb up on top of the, the refrigerator and, and get one of those monster cookies out. And it was so perfect. It was crunchy on the outside and chewy in the middle. And I clamped down into that cookie, and I ate the whole thing and then mopped up the crumbs. And then I went to go do my homework. My little brother was nowhere to be found. He, he was actually at child care. And so I went over to my room, and I did my homework for, for a while. And then my, my, my tummy started to rumble again. And I said, you know, my brother won't notice if I take a little bite. You know, I mean, sometimes those cookies are not perfectly symmetrical. So I just take a little piece off the edge. And, and I, I did that, and it was no longer round. And so I said, well, I better make it round. So I continued on around the perimeter of the cookie, and all of a sudden this monster cookie was more like a small little cookie. And, um, and I said, man, I've done so much good work on this cookie, I better just finish it off. And so I did. And uh, enjoyed both of the monster cookies very much. And then mom and dad come home, we have dinner, and I was surprisingly not very hungry that night for dinner. We finish up dinner, and my brother says, I'm ready for dessert, can I have that cookie, mom? Time for me to exit over to my room to start working on my homework again. And I'm sitting in the room trying to work on my homework, and then all of a sudden I start to sweat as my dad says, Adrian, could you please come down to the living room? And I come down to the living room, and my dad says, Adrian, you know anything what happened about Ryan's cookie? I said, no, I don't know anything about that. That was a delicious cookie. I sure enjoyed it, but I don't know anything about that. He said, you sure you don't know anything about that? It seems to be gone. I said, no, I think it's still up on top of the refrigerator. Isn't it up there? Nope, it's not on top of the refrigerator, eh? And uh, he said, you sure you don't know anything about this? I said, maybe one of Ryan's friends came over and took it. <laughs> and no, Ryan's friends have not been over here. What happened to his cookie? And I become a puddle of tears in front of my mom and dad. Why? Because the light exposed the darkness. Now, that seems really, really small, I know. But it was a very expensive cookie that I ate. It's very small. It seems meaningless and trivial, but light came in and exposed the darkness, and it's an example of what happens to every single one of us, particularly in this digital age, light is coming in to expose the darkness, isn't it? Like, in this digital age, you cannot hide. Eventually, the lies, the gossip, the racism, the lust, the hatred, the anger, eventually it will come out. And even if for some reason it doesn't here on earth, 1 Corinthians 4 says this, Jesus will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and he will expose the motives of the heart. One day he's coming back and he will expose the motives of the heart. The light shines in the darkness and it brings us hope, but the light also shines in the darkness of our hearts and it exposes what's really going on. Now, fortunately, this passage and this message ends on a good note of beautiful news, and it's this. The light of Christ is meant for me. The light of Christ is meant for you. And it's meant to do both of these things, to expose the darkness, but also to warm us and to give us hope 
to bring light to our lives, and it's meant for all of us. Verse 7 says, He, that is John the Baptist, came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He came for you. He came for all of us. Verse 9 goes on. The true light that gives light to everyone, to everyone, was coming into this world. In case we didn't get the point, he says again in verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to all those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You get the point? It's this, like from the very word go in John's gospel, he's telling us that Jesus' love for the world is indiscriminate. Jesus' love is for you. When we say every person matters, we mean every person matters for eternity, that God loves you that much. And God doesn't love people the way we oftentimes love people. We tend to love people who are in our tribe. God doesn't do that. He doesn't love people who are liberal or conservative. No, he loves people, period. He doesn't see people as black or white or Asian or Hispanic. He sees people. He doesn't see people as rich or poor. He sees people. He doesn't see blue collar or white collar or young or old or able or disabled. He sees none of that. He sees people who are made in his image, who he wants to reform into the likeness of Jesus, that he wants to put his light into them and make a difference in their lives for today and for all of eternity. That's what he sees. He sees you. He loves you. He wants you. Jesus came to die for you. He created the world, and he's recreating us who trust in him. I share that silly little story about me and the cookie, not because it's extraordinary, but because my parents' love for me in that moment was extraordinary. They caught me in my web of lies, in the midst of my cookie theft, and they said, Adrian, what you did was wrong. That was wrong. And they separated from me darkness from light. And they said, you need to ask your brother for forgiveness, and you need to make it right. And then they said, we love you. We forgive you. We love you. We love you. And a hundred times over, in all capital letters, that's what God does for us. He sees us in the middle of darkness, and he says, I love you. And if you'll turn to me and be forgiven, I forgive you forevermore. I bring you into my family, and let's get on the business of recreating. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great grace to us. Thank you for your outstanding love to us. Thank you that you treat us all the same, that you don't love the way people love, that your love is indiscriminate. Thank you that you want to bring your light into our darkness. Father, I just have a sense 
that maybe you're doing something in someone's heart here, and maybe your Holy Spirit is, is whispering to someone, if you'd like to be forgiven, you can be forgiven through the cross of Christ. And I, I don't know where you are today, but if that's you, I, I just want you to hear this. It's as simple as this, like, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be children of God. And so if you're in that spot today and, and, and you don't know Jesus, um, you've just been left to your own resources for reforming your life and you realize that's not enough, maybe today would be the day that you ask God for help and you surrender to him. And it can be as simple as this. You, you simply admit it's true, I have sinned in a lot of ways. I made lots and lots of moral mistakes. And it's true, I really do need forgiveness. I admit it. And then you believe that, that Jesus died for all of those failures, every single one of them. And then you confess. You admit, you believe, and then you confess. You confess, Jesus, you're my Lord, which means I'm, I'm not going to just be on the throne of my life anymore. I want your will to be done in my life. I confess that you're Lord and I want to follow you. And if that's you today, that you haven't done that or, or maybe you've been away from God and you've just been worshiping something else and you want that right now, would you just raise your hand and I just want to pray for you. Is that you in any way? You go ahead, brother. I see you. Is there anyone else? See my brother. Okay, I want to just pray for these two men that just raised their hand. I ask God that you would put your rest on them in this moment. Would you let them know through the cross of Jesus as they would confess their sins to you in this moment that you love them and you forgive them. That you love them very much. And that you, Jesus, you died for them. Would you help them to give themselves to you totally? And thank you, Jesus, that your word is true and you do that. We confess that you are our Lord. We confess that you are our Savior and we receive that. And we thank you, God, for bringing these men into your family. And, and maybe someone else in this room just say, you know, I, I, I have some darkness in me. And maybe it's the way I've been living online. It's some things that I've, I've said with my mouth. It's it's thoughts that I've had that just been nasty. It's things that I've done. There's some darkness in me, and, and it's been exposed. And if that's you, you just, just admit that to the Lord right now in silence. The beginning of good works is admission of our bad works. Father, we thank you for your grace, for exposing what is dark in us. We ask for your forgiveness, and we ask, God, that you would help us to walk in the light now. For all of us, Lord, would you grant us the grace to be difference makers this week, to bring your light to others this week as we receive it from Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray, amen.